What is the Eucharist worth? If we think about just the, the bread we use for consecration before it's the body and blood of our Lord, we could think, well, if, if you never heard, a thousand of those little hosts cost about $20. So each one is two cents. You know, if you go to Mass uh, every Sunday for the year, then you'd be sitting at a, just over a dollar, dollar and four cents. But, of course, there's more to it than that, right? What is the Eucharist worth? There's a story that I've heard in different circles, especially from Father Mike Schmitz. A lot of you might have heard of him. Uh, He tells this story about a man and his wife and kids, and they were living in China. They They were Chinese, and... And in the area where they lived, the only way for them to receive the Eucharist was to go to Mass in the underground Catholic Church, right? There's, the, there's like an official state church, and then there's an underground church. In the area where they were in, that was the only way they could go to Mass. And so what that means is they had Mass in secret. They tried not to spread where that happened, because they didn't want it to be taken away. So they had the priests, they had the bread and wine, the community gathered, they could have the Mass in secret. One day this man was arrested, or kidnapped so to speak, and he was brought for questioning. They found out that he must have had some kind of connection with this underground activity, and they wanted to find out from him where it was happening. They wanted to especially know where is the priest? Because if they could get the priest, they could put an end to that mass. Well, he wouldn't tell them. And they did some quite terrible things to him. They even went to the point of torturing him for weeks. And he wouldn't give. Why? Because he knew that if he said where that priest was, then his wife, his kids... His family, his friends, community would no longer have the Eucharist. And for him, the Eucharist was worth everything. It was worth it all. He was willing to give his life. Thankfully, he didn't have to. They let him go, knowing that they weren't going to get through. Eventually, this man and his family had the opportunity to move to the United States. And so he came here and he found out that just within a couple blocks of their house, there was a Catholic church that had Mass actually twice a day. And so they could go freely every day, and they did for quite some time. At one point, he realized, rightly so, that you know if he, if he got a a job, he could earn some money, he could get a better life for his family, they could get some nice things. So he decided to go to work, and his family, wife and kids, went to Mass each day. He went off to work and went to Mass on the weekend. Okay, good. At one point then, he realized, well, if he worked on the weekend as well, they could get a little more, make a little more, get a little, little better life, reach that dream. This man who was willing to die for the Eucharist within two years of moving here encountered 
some different sort of obstacles. And what wasn't able to break him, in a sense, in his faith in the Eucharist, when he came here, our culture was able to do without even trying. There were some obstacles, all of a sudden, that got in the way of his faith. In our gospel, Jesus is preaching the bread of life discourse about the bread of life, about the Eucharist, saying, right, my, my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Well, the people we heard were listening. How could this be? They started to grumble and, and argue amongst themselves. And, and at the end of John chapter 6, we didn't hear it, but I suggest reading it this week, the whole chapter, the end we hear because of they said this is a hard teaching because of that and because of some obstacles in their own hearts it said that almost all of those following him that day left Jesus they turned away they couldn't accept the Eucharist except for Jesus' close disciples who said Lord you have the words of eternal life to whom shall we go Yes, it's difficult, but Lord, you say so. You say so. What is the Eucharist worth to me, to you? And what are maybe some obstacles that get in the way of seeing that worth? Personally, I, you know, when I was a second grader, I think I've said this before, receiving First Communion, I, I came for First Communion all dressed up, right? And I received the Eucharist, and I walked back to my pew, and I, I said this little prayer. I said, Jesus, thank you, that really filled me up. Okay, I was hungry. I was praying to Jesus, which is a good, but on the other side, I was more concerned about fe- feeling filled up. I was looking forward to the meal after. So for me, at that point in my life, that was an obstacle, the food, right? Feeling hungry. Later, going into high school, I had an opportunity on a retreat to go on Catholic youth expeditions. And actually, Father Quinn, the priest who's coming in July, he's the one who was there leading this. He, he came up with the whole thing. But I was on this retreat, and we were in adoration, kneeling before our Lord in the Eucharist. And it had never happened to me before, but all of a sudden I was just struck and overwhelmed by Jesus' presence and love for me and and realizing, yes, Lord, this is you in the Eucharist. But I started to cry, and so I look away. I didn't want to have other people see me. I was worried about what they would think. And so I look back and cry, and I want to look away again. I couldn't really fully enter into it because there is that obstacle of being worried about what others might think. Later on, becoming a priest... By the way, you know, if, if the Eucharist wasn't Jesus really present, if the Eucharist was just a symbol, just bread, like celibacy would make no sense, okay? But this is Jesus in the Eucharist. And through the hands of the priest, whom he sets apart to share in his high priesthood, he becomes truly present. And, and for me now as a priest, it's just a beautiful reality that I, I you know, through me, Christ works to say those words 
and we rely on his words that say, this is my body, this is my blood, and that miracle happens. What a huge gift. The obstacle for a priest would be that it might become routine. And so I need to be spending that time in prayer before the tabernacle. I need to be making sure to try to pray the Mass as best I can. What are some obstacles that we might experience ourselves? I think, for the most part, they're more practical than theological, but I'm going to give you a little bit of both. Give you two theological obstacles and a few practical obstacles and try to level them out and perhaps we can grow in our, our understanding of the Eucharist. Theologically, one obstacle might be, well, I don't see Jesus. I don't see, I just see bread, the appearance. That song we sang before the gospel was written by St. Thomas Aquinas. And St. Thomas Aquinas, that was back in the 12th century, he, he, he was wrestling with this obstacle and trying to uh, clear it up for the church. And what he, he figured out was, well, the appearance remains the same, the bread and the wine, but the substance, the stuff, the what isness of the Eucharist changes beneath. So what we see is bread and wine, but what it really is, is Jesus really present. That's the miracle. Another obstacle might be, well, isn't that cannibalism? Okay, if you weren't awake, now you're awake. Well, here's the difference. I'm not going to explain what cannibalism is if, if we don't know, but... Um, here's the difference. With the Eucharist, when the Eucharist is broken into parts, or we have individual hosts, Christ himself is not broken into parts. Each part, each piece of the host is Jesus in his fullness. Fullness, body, blood, soul, and divinity. The Eucharist is the sacrifice of Christ on the cross offered in an unbloody manner. When we receive the Eucharist, we're receiving Christ's resurrected body. We know that in the resurrection, Jesus was able to walk through walls, right? And we're also receiving the body of Christ, the church. Jesus sent his spirit upon the church St. Paul, over this place, says uh, the church being the body of Christ. In our second reading, he says, because we take of the one loaf, therefore we, though many, are one body. United with the church, the body of Christ. And the Eucharist is the same throughout the whole world. The same Christ, fully present. Soul and divinity, body and blood. It's an important distinction. Christ is not consumed. And just a few practical reasons. So think about before, during, and after receiving communion, the Eucharist, before we prepare our body, we prepare our soul. We prepare our soul by being in that state of grace, by praying before Mass, like we do so well here at St. Raphael's, uh, 
in silence and preparing our hearts with the liturgy of the word. We prepare our body by, by fasting that one hour before communion. And that might include also making sure uh, there's nothing in our mouth. We don't want to put the Eucharist on the same level as, let's say, a piece of gum at the same place. That would be a hindrance to our faith in the Eucharist. When receiving the Eucharist, what we do with our body affects, for better or for worse, our faith in the Eucharist. We know there's a couple ways that we have to receive communion. One is by mouth, by opening up one's mouth, and the Eucharist being placed directly, receiving the Eucharist directly in that humble way. Another way is by hand. And maybe this is a new thing, but just watch this. Um, if you put your hand, you need both of them, it makes a cross, right? Try that in your, in your hands, it makes a cross. And so the Eucharist is placed there on the cross. You also might have heard about St. Cyril of Jerusalem, a quote about him saying, create a throne for the Lord with your hands, who is king of all. But you may not have heard the, the rest of that quote. I'm just going to read it. He talks about making the throne with our hands, and then he said, Having hallowed your palm, receive the body of Christ, saying over it, Amen. Then partake of it, giving heed, lest you lose any portion thereof. For whatever you lose is evidently a loss to you, as it were, from one of your own members. For tell me, if any one gave you grains of gold, would you not hold them with all carefulness, being on your guard against losing any of them and suffering loss? Will you not then much more carefully keep watch that not a crumb fall from you what is more precious than gold and precious stones? Again, what is the Eucharist worth to me? Is it worth more than gold? Not to be scrupulous, but to consider looking down on my hand to see if there is any portion of the Eucharist, any of which is Christ in his fullness, and make sure we consume that. And lastly, what I do after receiving communion also affects my faith in the Eucharist, for better, for worse. If I go and, and kneel down in my pew and pray and sing praise, that's going to help a lot. If right away I, like Judas at the Last Supper, head out the doors, that's going to hurt a lot, unless there's a really good emergency or reason. And then after Mass, to once more give thanks, take some time in silence, kneel down, will help a lot. Brothers and sisters, going back to the beginning, what is the Eucharist worth to me, to you? Our Lord Jesus desires deeply to place it on our heart that the Eucharist is worth it all.